Well, good morning. It is uh, great to have you here. If we've not met as well, if you're new here at True North, can I just say welcome? My name is Dean, one of the pastors here, and uh, it's just great to have you. And uh, great to be together, uh, great to, to kind of get the whole, the whole crew together as we celebrate uh, Easter together. Uh, Resurrection Sunday, we've all come here today uh, to celebrate the idea that Jesus rose from the grave. You may be brand new to church. You may not even have, uh, maybe somebody brought you along or it was sort of a family day and just thought, hey, I've got to go to this thing. But the whole reason that this kind of drawn us into one room together this morning is Easter. It, and this, is, uh, this goes all the way back to the life of Christ. And, the, and when a group of people found his tomb empty on a Sunday morning. And since that time, uh, we've been able to celebrate this resurrection. Now here's the thing about approaching Easter. All of us will come uh, kind of to this day from a, a various kinds of experiences and sort of perspectives. We all have some kind of approach to Easter. For some, like I said, you may be here, it's just sort of like, well, family's doing this, or someone said I should come, or I was dragged along, and you know, I don't, I'm not really sure there will be anything in this for me, but you know what, I can go along, uh, and, and I heard that there's a festival after that, it'll be fun. Others have come, and, and for you, this is one of those days that uh, you, you, were, you were just, you woke up with a little extra kind of bounce in your step this morning, a little extra just excitement because of what this day represents for you. Uh, for some, and, and maybe it's sort of like, you know what, this is, maybe it's your first Easter where you're celebrating that you've actually believed that Jesus rose from the dead and experienced what that has done in your life. And so it's just this whole extra excitement. For others, you might be here today and you've been celebrating, maybe you're like me, I've been celebrating uh, since I was a kid. You know, since I was, you know, just from as young as I could be. So I've been celebrating Easter for 23 years now since I was just kind of... Right, a little bit more. Math gets fuzzy. Uh, but who's counting anyway? But maybe you, like me, have celebrated so many years. And, 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 it, and, and one of the things that can happen if you're in that category is that, you know, you sort of celebrated Easter so many times that it almost becomes difficult to kind of come to the day. And in your deep part of you, you know, this is so important. And, I, and you sort of feel like maybe I should feel so, and you just kind of, but it, it's sort of like, well, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot going on today, and I've got to, you know, get the kids ready, and I, we've got this in the afternoon, and going from here to there, and you approach Easter, and it's just kind of, all right, great, let me pop in, and now we'll, I want us just to reflect a little bit on how we approach Easter, because one of the things is, all of us, we, we come from these different spaces. For some, it's maybe a little bit unknown or unusual. For some, it's so familiar that it's almost hard to, to kind of let it move us the way perhaps it could. And I want us just to reflect on, on how we actually approach this moment. And to do that, we're going to look at uh, the, the historical account that comes to us from the book of Mark of what it was like for the first women who, who were the first humans to discover this empty tomb, what their experience of this moment was like, and perhaps that can shed some light for us on how we are to approach this moment or the potential and the possibility that it could hold for us. And, and so we're going to start with uh, Mark 16. This is the story of, of how these women, they approached the tomb. They're the first people to see it. And it kicks off like this. Mark 16, 1. 
It says when the Sabbath was over, Jesus was crucified on a Friday. Friday night began the Jewish Sabbath. Jesus, if you don't know, was a Jewish man in a Jewish context where the Jewish people, though, were under the Roman Empire. Friday he was crucified. Friday night began Sabbath. So Saturday you couldn't do work. You couldn't, uh, you know, you, you had to rest. That was part of the traditions and the law for the people. So the Sabbath has, has come. Everyone has just kind of gone their separate ways. People are resting. The Sabbath ends Saturday night. And now the Sabbath is over. And the next morning, while it's still dark, it says this. When the Sabbath was over, uh, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, they bought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. So this is Saturday night. Sabbath ends uh, around dusk. They went. They bought these spices because they wanted to go. And they wanted to show their honoring, their devotion, their, their care for this Jesus who had meant so much to them. It says, very early on the first day of the week. So now it's Sunday, the next morning. They had to wait all day till they were allowed to buy the spices. Now it's very early on the next day, the Sunday morning, just after sunrise. They were on their way to the tomb. They waited just till it got light enough at all for them to make the journey. And they're on their way there, and they started to think about what, how's this going to work. And it says they asked each other, wait a second, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they got there, and now they look up, and they see that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. It was an angel. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. But he has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. Here's the tomb. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you'll see him just as he told you. Jesus had predicted that this would happen. But no one grasped his words and all the time he said it. But just as he told you, trembling and bewildered, the women went out. And they fled from the tomb, and they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. This whole thing is so shocking to them. They're like, I don't even know if we should talk about it. But they did go, just as the angel said. They found his disciples, his followers, and they told them what had happened and set in motion uh, the, this good news that Jesus is alive. Now, I want to look at the reaction for a moment of these women who went to the tomb, these three women. And they are the first people to go and find out that Jesus is alive. It's quite an interesting thing as well. One of the interesting details, if you don't know, that in these gospel accounts, they're just histories that were written down by people. The first witnesses to the risen Christ were women. This is actually uh, one of the, the, uh, another piece of much of the evidence that shows us this is not a made-up story. Uh, women in those days, testimony was considered invalid for them to say we saw something. In that culture at that time in history, no one would have put any stock in it. And if you were going to make up a story where you were to try and convince people Jesus was alive, this is the opposite way you would even try that. It's one of those small details that's incredible. just shows it's just a historical account of what happened. But what we see about these women, what I love about their reaction, that I find myself challenged with when I read this story, is the words that describe some of their experience of this moment. Three kind of descriptor words that we see for them when it talks about what this was like for them. They were alarmed. It says they ended up trembling. And they were bewildered. 
You know, when I think about my own approach to Easter Sunday, when I think about my own experience of what this is like, I find myself looking and going, you know what, sometimes it's really easy. And this happens, the more you celebrate Easter or go through the more experiences, the, the easier it is to come to Easter and to end up sort of cruising past it and it just feels like another thing. When we see that the first experience of this event, this earth-shaking, earth-shattering event that Jesus did not stay dead but rose again, what it provoked in the first people who began to experience it. Alarm, trembling, bewildered. You know, the, the, the thing about this moment, if we're going to approach Easter, we have to, to wrap our minds around, I think, for a moment. We have to find ways to actually realize that what happened? This is no, no ordinary event. Even if you're not a, a believer in this, we all have grown up in a culture, in a society, in a whole civilization that for 2,000 years, this has become such a part of life. Yeah, of course, Jesus, he, he rose from the dead. You know, of course, yep, that we can end up kind of going, yep, no big deal. Or, uh, yep, I know some people think. We lose the power of what happened in this moment. The first people, they were alarmed. They were freaked out. I mean, you show up to this grave, and you're like, every time in human history prior to this moment, when you went to a tomb, you could only expect that the body that was laid there would still be there. And now for the first time in all of history, that is not the case. They show up to a tomb where they know he was buried. They know a stone's been put there. No one had any question that this man was dead. No historian today would doubt and even argue with the reality that, yes, Jesus of Nazareth was a man who was crucified. Everybody knows he died. It was the most public thing ever, the most thorough execution. There's no question. And imagine what it would have been like. And you and these women who yet, even yet, they still cared so much for him that they thought we want to pay our honor and tribute to him. We're going to get some spices and anoint him. But they show up and he's not there. And they are alarmed. I love the, the angel says to him, don't be alarmed. Do you know, I, I guess one of the things I just felt even this Easter is I thought, Lord, help me to be alarmed. And to be shocked. Because this is shocking. And we should never let it become comfortable to us. They were trembling. The, the, the magnitude of what they were experiencing and seeing that he was alive, that, that was beginning to set in, they were trembling physically. There was a, a reaction to this that was they were trembling. They were bewildered. They were astonished. They had so much amazement, their heads were swimming trying to make sense of it. Now, we aren't there that day, but this is an event that if we will allow it, should produce in us some of those same reactions. You know, when I was a kid, I loved uh, to, and, and, and my son has taken after me now in this as well, I loved to, to scare my dad. <laughs> I don't know, anybody enjoy that? I, I just like, uh, and probably a lot of boys, I love to scare people in general. Uh, early on in dating my wife, I realized it's more of a guy-to-guy -guy thing <laughs> than a uh, you know, uh, when we were, we were dating for you engaged, that's another story for another day that, you know. Um, but, but my dad, I used to love 
like I would plot ways, you know, as a kid to kind of sneak up on him, to just try and like, just love to scare him, you know. And I, and I was happy to be scared as well. I don't know why that is, just kind of fun thing. So I had, this, uh, I had this rubber snake I had won at school one time, and I loved this rubber snake. I think I named him Harvey. I was about 10 or 11, and I, I, I named him Harvey. And I used to like to use him to try and scare people. Uh, but sometimes, you know, he looked like he was pretty reasonable rubber snake and, and looked all right. Now, so I would try and hide in places, try to scare my sister. That's uh, excellent if you've got that option as a kid. But, you know, scaring her was like, you know, I wanted, the, I wanted the big gun. You know, I wanted to get my dad really good. And so I remember one day I kind of, you know, he was getting on to some of my schemes. And, and I had this idea. And we were in the living room. I was probably 10 at this point, maybe 11 or something. Uh, and... and and he was in the living room, and he was sitting in a chair. He was reading or something, and I thought, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put this snake, and, I, and I, I took the snake. I kind of placed it near him. But what I had done was tie this little thread from the snake to myself. So I've got this thread now attached to it. It's so thin. It's black. You can't see it. And I, and I move myself. I position a little ways away in the room, and I'm just leaving it sitting there. We live near some uh, woods, actually, where we were, so we're often, like, kind of snakes around as well. Uh, nothing, like, you know, that's going to kill you or anything. It wasn't, it was, this was the, the U.S. and not here in uh, Perth. <laughs> and, uh, uh and, and so, uh, so I went, I sat over there, and, and, I, and I was like, I was patient, you know, I, I was saving up on this, you know, and I'm patient. I'm just sitting there on the other side of the room just waiting, waiting, waiting. He's reading the paper or something like that, you know, uh, and, and then eventually he puts it down, and I'm kind of waiting over there. He doesn't think I'm paying any attention, and he sees the, the snake there, and he told me later, like, he saw it, and he's like, well, I'm going to grab this, and I'm going to throw it. So he goes, and he reaches to grab it, and all of a sudden, flick, and it moves. <laughs> and he, whoa, he jumps back from it because he didn't expect that thing to move. And I'm like, yes, score, and I'm dying. Now I am losing it. I am laughing. I'm absolutely killing myself. And he is just like, oh, man, you know, you got me. I, and he told me, he's like, I was, re I was like, I saw the snake, and I was going to grab it and throw it. And then all of a sudden, I didn't expect, reached, and boom, it moved. Here's the thing that, that we have to kind of get ourselves. These, these women, they were alarmed. Why? Because you saw it. It's like nothing is supposed to happen here. Don't lose this about the power of the resurrection. We get so comfortable with it, we don't even expect it to move anymore. We don't realize it's something, like it's alive. And when you realize something's alive sometimes, it can actually, there's an alarm. There's a jump back. I didn't expect that. That's what happened when they showed up at that tomb. They were alarmed. They were trembling. They were bewildered. You know, bewildered means to just be so astonished like you can barely take it in. This morning, can I encourage you? You know, the, the idea that God so loved the world that he sent his son to come and die for our sins on a cross so that we would not perish, but that we could have eternal life. And that that he was crucified for all to see and placed in a tomb. And then on the third day when people went to find him, he was not there. He was alive. That is astonishing. It's astonishing. And on this day as we celebrate it, how, how do we allow ourselves to be astonished again, alarmed again, to almost tremble a little bit. Another account says that when they left, it was like they were afraid yet filled with joy at the same time. We should never get so comfortable with this moment. And if you're someone who for you, you go, I don't, I'm not sure this moment holds anything. Can I tell you something? 
There is life in this moment. Something happened which changes everything. You know, what I encourage you is you maybe think about what does it look like to see this moment afresh this year. I, I, as I was reflecting on this, I, I was uh, thinking about I, how many, has anybody ever seen the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon? Uh, have you ever seen, he does these, these funny things uh, where sometimes it takes, it's filmed in New York and sometimes he has musical guests, he started doing this thing where he'd take these famous bands and they'll go down into a subway and they put on a disguise and they play music and they just, they go down there and they just kind of watch what happens. And I, I'm going to show you a clip. This is one where he had U2 and he's in a subway in New York City. He's got U2 and they're all uh, kind of dressed up disguised so no one can see him. And, and then they just kind of watch what happens. And we'll watch part of the clip. Ha have a look at this. Guys, give money, support your local artists. If you like what you hear, give them some money. It's your local artists here. New Yorkers, they play birthdays. They play bar mitzvahs. They'll play your party. You guys like what you hear, support your local artists. Some New Yorkers here, why don't you come over? Any change will help. You gotta die. I am glad that I am you guys want to support your I love this little clip. And in a moment, what ends up happening, they pull everything off and people start to gather. But I love just, there's some, you know, look, imagine this. There they are, you two, one of the most biggest bands in all history. They're singing. Bono is singing. There's people on their phones. There's people walking by. There's people absorbed. And they just don't even see what's happening. You know, as we think about this kind of approach, can I encourage you, this, this Easter, don't just walk by what happened in that tomb. Don't just kind of cool, oh, that was great. Yep, Jesus rose from the dead. I got I to gotta catch a train. I got to return a text. I got to be somewhere. There was something phenomenal happening. And most of the people didn't even notice. Didn't even pause. Didn't grasp it at all. You know, one of the great challenges we have in the kind of world we live in is to actually stop and behold something. This is what I want to encourage you to consider doing this Easter, is to behold what happened on that cross and in that empty tomb. To behold is to see or observe. It's to actually see it. Nobody saw it. Nobody observed in that, in that subway what was happening. They didn't actually get it. Yeah, they saw it, but they didn't see it. Yeah, they observed it, but they didn't observe it. 
It's to see or observe someone or something, especially of a remarkable or impressive nature. You know, wouldn't it be amazing this Easter? Can I encourage you to behold what happened on the cross, in the tomb, to see it, to observe it, to let it soak in. If you're a skeptic and a questioner, to begin to just actually not just go, yeah, that's just, I'm sure it's nothing, and you just keep moving by, and you never stop, and begin to go, how, how did this happen that 2,000 years later we celebrate a man who was put to death in the most public form ever? What happened? Don't just go past it. See, observe, think, reflect, consider. You know, if we're to behold, and I want to give you three challenges I think most of us have in the world today, three keys as well to actually being able to behold this Easter. You know, if we are to behold the risen Christ, if we're to see him, if this morning is to be more than just a, a, a drive-by quick, yep, great, and move on, one of the first keys uh, to beholding is to actually uh, live with focus. Do you know these women... They had a distinct purpose. Can I tell you something? They waited till Sabbath. Sabbath was part of their rhythm. Why did they have to wait until that night to buy the spices? Why did they have to wait till that next morning even to go? They actually lived their lives with focus, purpose, and intentionality. They had chosen to be people of faith, and there was a rhythm to that life. They let their, their weeks and their days be punctuated by a focus that they found ways and spaces allowed them to put God first. Sabbath was a critical one. You know, as people uh, of faith, if, if we are to behold Christ, it's one of the reasons we don't just gather here on Easter Sunday. We gather every Sunday. Why? Because we want to have a rhythm that punctuates our lives with moments and focus and purpose. So we don't just end up living lives that actually, yep, we're just kind of walking down the subway. It's on the job. It's on to work. It's on to the next thing and the next thing because the world has no shortage of next things, right? How do we actually be people who live with focus and intention? You're here today. That is a great choice. So let's be here and observe and live with focus and live with purpose. Do you know that the, one of the second challenges as well and one of the keys if we are to actually behold is to not rush past things. The picture of everybody on that subway platform just hustling, hustling, rushing past a band that they would have probably, if someone had said, that's you too there, They'd have been, the second that their masks come off, a crowd gathers, everybody stops and looks. But most of the time, we all can just be so guilty, especially in this life, uh, kind of the modern day pace of life, that we just rush past everything. You know, these women were different than even Jesus' disciples who had all started to kind of scatter and spread. There were others as well. The angel says, he's risen just as he told you. Jesus had actually told people this, but it's like almost once he went to the cross, everybody began to move on and to move away and to say, well, I thought that was going to be great. I guess it's not. But these women, they didn't just rush past it, and they didn't just kind of keep moving on, and they didn't just go. They stopped and they saw. You know, I, I, there's a, a writer in uh, the U.S., his name's John Ortberg, really wise man, and he had a, a spiritual director, a guy named Dallas Wood, phenomenal, you know, spiritual director. And, 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 he, and he got from Dallas Willard this phrase, that if you want to live a life of purpose and intention and, and that has depth to it, if you find yourself this easy, going, I want a life with depth. And he said this was the phrase that he gave him that, that really changed everything for him. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. If we are to behold 
the risen Christ. It just doesn't happen when we hurry through life. It won't happen today if we're just thinking, yep, just kind of got to hurry through this, get to the next thing. Beholding requires a stopping and a slowing and a letting, letting things kind of settle in. And the third kind of key is to actually allow realities to set in. Allow it to sink in. You know, if you want to behold Christ this morning, can I encourage you in a few minutes, we're going to spend some time singing, celebrating what's happened at the cross. As you do that, and as you're here this morning, can I encourage you to let the realities of what happened sink in. It takes a little bit of a quiet. We, that's what, we, have to actually, we have to actually begin to slow ourselves down and to allow our minds and our hearts to almost chew on the reality of what this means. He is risen. If he is risen, then that has implications in every direction. It changes everything. If we went around this room, I bet right now every one of us could give some challenge we are facing in our life. A challenge in a relationship, a challenge uh, medically, a challenge financially, a, a difficulty, a, a trying to find a job or purpose or something. We'd all have challenges and sometimes we stew on those challenges and all the things that could go wrong begin to sink in for us. But when we actually allow this truth to sink in, that Jesus was dead and now he's alive, there is no aspect of our lives that is not changed by those simple words, he is risen. And imagine we let that sink in. And we let that begin to speak to whatever those difficulties are that we're facing. But we can't rush by. We can't just keep going. We actually have to allow that reality to sink in in our lives. You know, C.S. Lewis put it this way. I love this phrase. And he talks about the immensity of what happened when that tomb was found empty. He said, the New Testament writers, the people who wrote it down, they speak as if Christ's achievement in rising from the dead was the first event of its kind in the whole history of the universe. This has never happened. No one else claims it. No other religion is based around it. Only the, the Christian faith is based around an event like this. Someone who was dead who's now alive. He is, and it says that Jesus is the first fruits. The pioneer of life. That means not only did it happen for him, but he's the first of his kind. This resurrection life is now going to be available to more. He's the pioneer. He has forced open a door that has been locked since the death of the first man. Every other person, every other death in human history ended the same way. But Christ, the first, he has met, fought, and beaten the king of death. And everything is different because he has done so. This is the beginning of the new creation. A new chapter in cosmic history is open. This is the reality of what happened at that empty tomb. It affects everything. This Easter, I just invite you to behold the risen Christ. To simply begin even now to let that reality start to sink in in a fresh way. He is alive. And if that is true, and if he has offered that life to each one of us, it's a first fruits, then everything and every situation, there is no aspect of life on this planet that is not now affected by the empty tomb and the words, he is risen. You know, I want to give you a moment to just maybe close your eyes and just reflect even for a moment.
And to ask yourself maybe one of these questions. If you find yourself going, you know, I want to behold this. I want, I, I want it to be something that produces some shock and some, some, some reaction in my life. I don't want it to be I just go past it. So maybe ask yourself this. Are you living with focus? Are you living with purpose? Do you have, an, a, a, have you chosen this is what I want my life to be about? And I'm going to begin to order my life in such a way that I allow this truth that Jesus died and risen again begins to change everything in my life. Is, are there some patterns to change? Are there some habits to adopt to say, oh, I want to live with the focus that I know could be there? Am I rushing past? Maybe for you it's just a matter, maybe it's actually to ask, so am I just rushing past? Am I rushing through life? Am I rushing from this to that? And I'm missing the incredible nature of what has happened. Have I let this reality sink in? Have I let this reality sink in that Jesus, he's alive and he's offered that life to me? Is it affecting your, your Mondays and your Tuesdays and your Thursdays and your, your daily life? Those challenges that sit there and the own experience of what's going on in your heart. You see, to behold him, it's not something that we just, great, that's it, I did it. You know, I popped in on the Sunday morning and now I've gone and I was there on Easter. So it's great. Now I better get to the next thing. To behold is to stop. It's to focus. It's to see it. It's to observe it. It's to let it sink in. And as we do that, you know you're beginning to behold when there is a rising sense of amazement. When there's a rising sense of astonishment. When there's a rising sense of this new life is actually kind of breaking into me. Can I encourage you to take a moment. Sit in the quiet and maybe whatever it looks like you to behold this morning. Just do that. Maybe you're here and you still find yourself just questioning. I don't know if, can I really, can I really believe this? Could this really change everything? Maybe just to say a simple prayer to just say. God, I, would you show me if this is true? Jesus, if this is real, would you help me to begin to grasp that? Help me to begin to understand that. Maybe begin to put some new habits, some new patterns into your life. Some new focus. Maybe just to sit and in your own life, if you're a follower of Christ, to say, Lord, help me see it afresh. Let's take a moment. Lord, would you allow the reality that he is risen to soak into our lives? Even in this moment, would you allow something of that new life, that new creation, the, the first fruits of life in Christ to begin to, to sink into our own lives? That, Lord, as we come into this space, we might have eyes to see and grasp the astonishing nature of the empty tomb. Lord, I pray that as we 
So we put our focus on you. There be an increasing understanding in each one of our lives, wherever we come from, of the grandeur, of the glory, of the greatness, of the transforming, of the earth-shaking, awe-just-inspiring power of what has happened and the new life it holds for us. Lord, would you release it in each of our lives? We pray it in the risen King's name, in Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand with us? And we are going to spend uh, the next few minutes just beholding, just praising, just responding. You can continue to just kind of listen in the quiet of your own heart. You can sing along with the words that are on the screen. But let's, let's seize the opportunity to behold him in this place. All that has happened cross, the empty tomb. Let's behold.